Hey, drama listeners, Connor here, and welcome to episode one of our four-part October month-long celebration for Wicked's 20th anniversary. Dylan and I have loved Wicked since we were, you know, 12, 13 years old. It was totally a ring of keys moment for us. So in anticipation of the 20th anniversary, we thought it would be really fun to have Wicked alums from over the last 20 years join us on Drama to talk about their connection and relationship to the show, sometimes from early stages, sometimes from later on. We really wanted to choose voices that maybe you would be as excited to hear from as we are, and I can confirm you're going to be gagged. We're kicking off today with Michelle Federer, the original Nessa Rose. She's lovely. You're going to be obsessed with this episode. You're going to be obsessed with her. And if you're not already obsessed with drama, welcome to the party. We've had so many Wicked alums on our shows over the years. You just scroll through all of our past episodes. You'll find your favorite Alphabas, Glindos, Fieros. Oh, my. Ugh, that was annoying, but keeping it in because it's kind of cute. Anyway, enjoy this episode with Michelle. If you're not already subscribed to our Patreon, Drama Plus, for $5 a month, you get extra episodes with the twins and access to our Instagram close friends. So thank you for supporting us. Welcome to this month-long Wicked celebration and enjoy the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Dylan, I am so excited. This episode is kicking off the month of October. Yes. And kicking off our month full of wicked 20th anniversary episode. So, yeah. you know, we talk about Ring of Keys on the podcast. Right. And when we were, you know, growing up, Discovering Wicked was one of those impactful theatrical experiences that really oh cemented our love yeah. for it. We were obsessed. I still oh, am. But yeah. Wait, I know our story isn't unique, but you know, it's special to to really think about those things that helped solidify your love of the arts and it sort of ushered in such a an era. I remember we were at like a movie theater and before the movie started, they were playing show tunes or something. I remember that too. And they it was Defying Gravity, and you and I, of course, were like, hmm, what they're, is this? they're talking in, in here and stuff. And then they're like, that was a song from the new musical Wicked. Oh my God. It was almost like a radio station or something. And then I wonder, this might have been a couple years after it premiered on Broadway because then the tour was coming to Cleveland. Tour came to Cleveland, and then but we didn't see it until our seventh grade Chicago trip. That's right. That's which right. Which is but, so random. Only in Ohio would you drive, you know, in a bus to go to Chicago. And, I know. But yeah, so I'm so excited. I mean, 20 years after the musical came out, there have been lives honestly changed because of this musical. Oh I mean, gosh. I get to work on it every day, but yeah. even before that, it really brings so much joy and love and inspiration to people. And I don't know if we'd have the podcast if it weren't for Wicked. I so. think it's a huge part of it. And we've been lucky to have so many iconic cast members over the years. Yeah. You know, current Glinda's and Elphaba's, a few Fieros, a Madame Morrible or two. Girl, I've had a few Fieros uh, in my know. lifetime. We know, we know, we know. Listen. Maybe a Bach, but listen, we, we decided for this series to talk to some 
absolutely legendary people who have played a key role in the history of Wicked. Yes. And who better to start with than one of the original Broadway cast members? I know. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. This is great. Yeah. It is someone who I think people are going to be excited to hear from. Totally. And as they'll learn, she's currently back on Broadway. Yes. Oh, my God. All right, Dylan, would you please do us the honors of reading the intro? Yes. And to make it even more special, she's from the Cleveland area originally. Ah, love. Our podcast always finds ways to connect back to Ohio. The Ohio Bond. I know. Our guest today is a Broadway star, perhaps best known for originating the role of Nessa Rose in the original Broadway cast of Wicked the Musical. She currently covers roles in The Cottage on Broadway and was also seen in The Yellow Brick Road Not Taken and previously appeared in Three Days of Rain starring Julia Roberts, as well as A Man of No Importance at Lincoln Center, Boy's Life and How Deep is the Ocean at Second Stage and Anon at the Atlantic Theatre Company. You might recognize our guest from her three seasons of New Amsterdam as Millie and starred as Nate's mom, Sherry, in the Disney Plus movie Better Nate Than Ever, which was so cute if anyone hasn't seen it. Other television appearances include Smash, The Defenders, Hit and Run, Wayne Days, Blue Bloods, Archive 81, Elementary, as well as the films Kinsey, Rachel Getting Married, and more. We are honored to have such wicked and Broadway royalty on the pod with us today. Please welcome Welcome to drama, Michelle Federer. Hello, hi guys. That was a fun little intro. Here, my light. A trip down memory lane, right? Yeah, it's nice to be here. Oh, Aw, thank you. We're so excited to have you. Are you well? I am. I actually, yes, I really am. I feel really like myself right now, and that's a really, really good sort of relaxed place to be. And I'm acting, which is always the thing that makes me feel most like myself. So mm-hmm. what other factors are uh, contributing to this this moment of like self-clarity? You know what? I've been I've been taking walks in the woods. I listened to this podcast and this woman said, there's no bad weather. There's only bad clothing. And I was like, Yes, that's true. So I've started taking walks, no matter what the weather, and I've decided not to be listening to anything. Brave. Yeah. No, honestly, it's been, it was like a challenge. Then I realized I started tuning in with whatever was around me and it's doing something to me. It's sort of centering me and grounding me. And I, I'm finding that I'm really like craving it every day. So that's that's sort of like a little practice I've been doing. And like I said, I'm working in theater, which I love the most. Right. Yes. Actually, we just finally got to see The Cottage last weekend. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It is fun. It's hilarious. Do you cover all the female roles? I do. I cover three parts of Little uh, fact here, I was in the very, very first reading of The Cottage. This was like 10 years ago. Okay. Sandy Rustin is my friend and lives out in New Jersey with me. And there's a whole bunch of actors and sort of artists who live in this area. And we formed a little theater company called Midtown Direct Rep. Where Broadway comes home to sleep is what sort of catchphrase was. Anyway. Obsessed. I love it. Andy, whenever she writes a play, she would have us read it. 
And so we were just in her living room and we read it and we were all like, yes, I love this. And then about maybe seven or eight years ago, I actually played Sylvia. I did a production of it and I just always loved it. I've always loved Noel Coward. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a production of Hay Fever when I was younger at the Alley Theater and I was like, this is so fun. And then so to be in a play that's in the style of Noel Coward, but the relationships are flipped where the women are sort of the main characters and then the men are kind of the romantic interests. It's like mm. it's an interesting little feminine twist on it. Yes. Yeah. So I love doing plays. And so to have a history with this play and Sandy, it's her Broadway debut and she's my good friend. So it's it's just been like really, really special kind of a a long you know 10-year dream come true so I'm really really grateful that I get Uh, there every night I haven't gotten to go on I was gonna ask yeah I am the only cover who hasn't gone on but I don't wish anyone ill but it's you know you can hold that together like I would love Mm. to go on and I also I love this cast and you know it's yeah. It's like a little complicated, but I still feel lucky because we run the play. We run it once a week, the understudies, and we also oh we also run, you know, either scenes or maybe we just kind of run through the play. We just do the lines almost every night just to kind of keep it fresh. Cause three parts is like all of us have three parts, so it's a lot to keep in your head. You have to keep your mouth around it because it's super fast. You guys saw how fast it was. Oh my god! Oh my god! So fast. Well, we when we went to the show, we talked to Dana afterwards, and I mean, she is just a doll, and she's so funny in the show. And I said to her, I was like, "This is not a show you can just kind of zone out a little during." No, you are. Oh my God, it moves so fast. I can't even imagine covering one, playing one role in it, let alone three. If you were to choose one that you'd love to do on Broadway, which of the three are you dying to do? God, I really like all of them. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. You know what Dana wears, Mm -hmm. right? She wears like a baby doll dress. Yes. And I'm I'm gonna shout it out to all the listeners. I'm 50 years old. Right. So the idea, like, I love the part of Deirdre. It's so fun. Immediate. It's like everything is a shock and a surprise. And it's just so fun to be in that place. It's a very spontaneous place to be. But the idea of walking through the door in like ringlets and a baby doll dress, this is what I imagine the audience would do. They would go, why is that old lady dressed like a baby doll? You know, no, 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 no. What would happen? So the idea of going on for her is horrifying. So (laughs) that one never happens. I mean, I love Sylvia. I just, I I was hoping you would say Sylvia. What a great role. But also, like, I have to be honest. It's super fun to do Marjorie too because I don't get to do like I'm cast as like the crying mom on TV. I'm always the crying mom or like the crying (laughs) wife, you know, boring. But (laughs) playing a character, like actually getting to be a character who people don't think, you know, they look at you and they think, oh, you'll, but it's so fun just to like Mm -hmm. something totally different. So Marjorie would be a blast too. I have never laughed so hard as I did during 
Marjorie's flatulence moment. And Lily does it so well too, right? It's all in her face. It's the way that her body just sort of sinks in a little bit. Oh my God, she is, she always surprises me. Yeah, I think I love that moment too. And how long she takes to like recover from it. It's really mm -hmm. good. The so, audience lost it. Uh -huh. And it was like, not to spoil it, but anytime a little set change or a, a movement would happen on stage, you would just hear another wave of laughter. Mm -hmm. I know. Through. Oh, it was great. It's, you know, what's kind of delightful is just to hear like a, a whole audience of grownups laughing at a fart joke. I know. I thought about that. <laughs> Like, like, oh, we're all just kids here, you know, yeah, just enjoying everybody's it. like, and I just, I think it's hilarious to listen to, because that's always the biggest laugh of the sure. night. And there's something so universal about it. Yeah. <laughs> and you can just hear it gets like, slightly giddy. And I think that's delightful. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like a very pure thing. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we actually got the chance to meet Sandy when we saw the show. Um, she had listened to our episode with Dana and then connected with us on the podcast. And we recognized her in the audience. You two actually look kind of similar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. We have played sisters before. In play. <laughs> oh, that's really Sandy is such a good actress. You would you would die. She's oh, a I love it. But she's she's no joke. <laughs> she's an actor's writer is that a, you know how people always like are like oh they're she an actor's is. director you know no, she, yeah no joke she's an incredibly talented what were you sisters in a reading like okay. mdr did we did tons of readings of new plays but they would be staged like you know people would come and watch them they were always great and like talkbacks with the that's my favorite thing to do is a some work on something new mm -hmm. So anytime they asked me to do anything, I was like, yes. And it's probably like kind of low commitment in a way. Like it's not like you're committing to a three-year yeah. run or something, you know, like. And it, it was like down the street from my house. So <laughs> it's ideal. Are there any other um, notable names that you could out as being part of the, uh, this little community of uh, performers and writers? There's a lot. There's a lot. Well, my namesake, Norbert Leo Butts. I've heard of him. As I am Michelle Butts in real life. That's yes. so cute. So we did stuff there. Adam Danheiser, do you guys know who he is? Oh, he was in Beetlejuice. I oh, think. yes. He's I know. A place. Mm -hmm. I know who he is now. But Adam Danheiser and David Josephsberg, who yes. was also in Beetlejuice. They live out here. Charlie Pollock lives out here. He's been in like a million oh, yeah. shows. Kate Baldwin lives out here. Love her. Oh, can I tell you something so cute? So Kate and Norbert did Big Fish together. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. The out-of-town tryout was in Chicago. And Kate had a two-year-old. His name is Colin. And we had a two-year-old. Her name is Georgia. Both of us had our babies there. And so Georgia went to Colin's second birthday party. She did. I mean, she doesn't know that, but she did. <laughs> and cut to... However many, well, 10 years later, they are now in school together and they have every single class together. They're in seventh grade, oh. every single class together. So Norb and, and Kate did back to school night together. And Georgia said to me, she goes, mom, I just had this idea. What if they did big fish at the high school? And dad and Kate could come in and they could like tell us stories and maybe Colin and I could be in it. And I was like, this is so sweet. 
It was so sweet. So that's, cute. That's cool. That's adorable. I love that. I wonder if their like classmates know who the parents are. Yeah. You know? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's yeah. Who cares? But um, <laughs> there might be some like Broadway obsessed kid though. You know? Yeah. You know? Gavin <laughs> Lee lives out here. Gavin uh, Lee, Harvey Lee, and so. They've done stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of people. That's um, perfect. To put the button on what I was saying about Sandy, though, is when we were at the show over the weekend, um, a bunch of her son's friends came to see it. And they were all sitting in front of us. And I was like, kind of watching to see if they would like laugh along. You know, yeah. they loved it. Yeah. And I was like, this is a play that's like touching, you know, people of all ages. Yeah. And the, the heart joke is bringing everyone together. Yeah. Like, it was just a really cool, fun time at the theater. So I hope you do get to go on. At some oh, point, my God. But- <laughs> I'll be honest with you, even if I don't, I haven't I haven't been on I haven't done theater in like like I said like 8 years cuz once I had my daughter, I really really wanted to be home with her and TV and film was it's just more conducive to the kind of mom I want to be, but my heart is theater and especially plays and so just being able to rehearse this play has filled me up. So even if oh, I don't get beautiful. to go on, I do feel full and I've met incredible people and I've still had the experience because I'm telling you the three people who I cover with are no joke. They're <laughs> incredible. So I've still had that experience of you know, you're like in a scene with someone and you sort of look across the room and they're doing something so excellent. And you just kind of get that like, oh my God, that was so good. (laughs) (laughs) Friends be excellent is a really joyful experience to me. And I've had that almost every day. Yeah. That's so unique too. I I think that's really cool. Now, when you watch your husband perform... Do you enjoy that experience? Or are you kind of nervous for him during it? You know? Oh, I think he's the best actor. I think he's the best. Oh, yeah. I think he's the best one. I similarly worship <laughs> at his altar. I know. I'm totally biased. I don't care. <laughs> Can we swear on this? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't give a shit. Yes. But really, like, I think he's the best one. And I learn so much when I watch him and... I'm so proud of him and I I marvel at him. I just think like what a gift he has. Oh yeah. I don't know how else to put it. He does and I think it should be used to tell stories and have people sort of imagine themselves in these stories and maybe be in someone else's shoes for a little bit. Like he's just so excellent at creating the illusion that it's all happening. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> pretending. He is. He's great. Yeah. I, he has this essence about him that you don't find in all actors. Like I feel like Philip Seymour Hoffman is a good example where there's this empathy that comes through. And Norbert has that. Yes. There's just like, he's incapable of lying. <laughs> he can believe everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's so kinetic and there's such energy around it and, and yet such vulnerability. I don't know. I just, I don't really know how he does it. Um, but he works really, really hard. Yeah. I will say. 
I sort of define my years of living in New York was when I worked at 54 Below from 2016 oh. through 2020. And he was there. He was the first ever. It was his Girls, Girls, Girls show the summer of August 2016. And I remember when he finished every night, We, I was, I was the programming intern at the time and had to greet the talent and escort them upstairs to make sure no fans got in the way. And I remember every time you were there, he would like embrace you before he left to go out stage. He would kiss you or something like that. And I just remember thinking that was like this. Yes, I just, it stuck with me. I would, Cause I, my boyfriend is an actor. And I was like, wow, I love this like partnership that like, it doesn't, there's still like this groundedness at the end of it all. And like right before he left this, you know, back through the kitchen, you know, he would give you a smooch or something. I'll never forget that. And then he came back over the years, you know, I loved his misery and memory or mayhem or whatever that was. And he of course did the two hander thing, which was wild. And then hilarious. Oh my God. It was, Oh my God. I loved that. With Sherry. Yeah. That was. I loved it too. They wrote that. Mm hmm. Everything he's done there, even though he's singing covers, mm-hmm. although he, he, I think he's going to do some original stuff. He, you know, he has a stint starting tonight, but it, it's like through the month, periodic through the month. Okay, he really does. It's not like watching a cabaret. Do you know what I mean? Like he really does craft a whole theme and a an evening. Yeah, going to Fifty Four Below and seeing his concerts there—that's always like my favorite night out. Oh yeah. <laughs> you just sit there and there's velvet wallpaper and you eat things and you right? It's amazing. And you see you probably know so many people in the audience who come to support him and love him too. So it's it's really cool. Yeah. It's kind of it's a sweet thing because it's something my parents can go to and it's intimate, you know, and like Georgia goes now and our older girls have gone. So yeah, it's special. It tends to be the thing that our friends really come out for. Oh, that's really cool. This show he's doing starting tonight, he's playing everything himself. Norbert is playing the piano, he's playing the guitar. And then he'll have like guests come in, but it's like a real, like a for real solo show. I think he's like shitting his pants a little bit, but. Oh, marvelous. And you met him doing Wicked, right? Yes, except. I actually met him before. When I first moved to New York, I had a friend who was a director and this guy went to my college, which was Ithaca College. I was a musical theater major there. He went to my college for two years and he went to Webster University for two years, which is where Norb went. And so he knew both of us, but from totally different schools. So there was a playwright named Julia Jordan and she had written three plays and she wanted to hear them all. And so Matt was directing it and he brought me and Norbert in to do these three plays. So it was like a week of us just sort of sitting around doing table work and reading. And it was, that's like my dream. I live for that. I walked into this apartment and Norbert was there and Matt said, oh, my friend from college is going to be there. He just moved to New York. He's an understudy for rent, just started rent. And I was like, oh, cool. And he walks up to me and he goes, hi, my name is Norbert. And I said this. Oh, okay. I thought he was punking me. (laughs) That's not not really a name, but 
Okay. Right. Yeah. And then I kind of walked away and I thought he was like being a jerk. And then we sit down at the table and everyone's like, okay, Norbert. So you're going to, and I was like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know that your name. And so we did this play. It was called Smoking Lesson and it was so freaking fantastic. And Norbert was so good in it. And I was like, who is this guy? This is incredible. And then we did a couple more plays and well, I'll get to that later. But so I played his sister in one of the plays. Okay. And then about a week later, Norbert goes on for Roger for the very first time. And he calls Matt and he says, I have two comps and it's half, it's at half hour. He says, I have two comps, find someone. And I happen to live two blocks from the theater. So he calls me and he says, do you want to see rent? And I was like, yeah, for free. Yeah. So I go. <laughs> and I thought Norbert was just an actor. Like I knew he was in rent, but like in my mind, he's an actor. Oh. So he starts singing and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. And then, Oh my God. And he's, and he's the actor that he is. And so I was like, I couldn't deal with what I was seeing. And I knew he was married and <laughs> it, it wasn't like I fell in love or anything like that. I was just like mm. so overwhelmed by his talent. Talent crushes are real. Yeah. It was just kind of like a, a wonder, like a sense of wonder. And then mm -hmm. we went backstage, like in this alley to meet him afterwards. And he was like, hey, and he was himself. But I had just seen him do that. And I just couldn't like process it. And he was like, you guys, you want to go grab some dinner? And I said, no. And I, <laughs> and I left. <laughs> You're so funny. That's <laughs> not funny. That's not game. That's terrible. Like, but you really were mysterious to him. I couldn't you know? deal with it. Like, I couldn't deal <laughs> with eating grilled cheese, like, across from the t You know what I mean? You guys feel that way? I, I have had experiences like that, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So I left, and then I sort of saw him, like, you know, like I saw him on the Tonys and I was like, that's that guy. That guy is phenomenal. And then cut to, I get the call that I'm going to do Wicked and they're telling me the cast. I was doing a play and I was backstage. So I was trying to be quiet and they were like, okay, so it's Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth and Joel Gray and Carol Shelley and Norbert Leo Butts. And I was like, I thought, Norbert Leo Betts, I have arrived. Like, this, yeah. like uh, this is, that's the caliber of, of person I've always wanted to, I, I was not impressed. How could I not be impressed with <laughs> Adina and Chris? But like, that was what I zoned in on because I thought he was the best actor I'd ever seen. So we get to the first rehearsal and in my mind, he was married. I, I knew he had kids. Like, it wasn't that at all. And and so I walked into rehearsal and I said, hi, I'm Michelle Federer. I don't know if you remember me, but I played your sister with special needs. And he was like, I do remember you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then um, he wasn't married anymore, unbeknownst to me. <laughs> oh, my God. So was he like flirting with you at rehearsal? And you're kind of like, what's going on here? Well, or did, was it different than that? No, it was, I was in. I was like, yeah. oh, my God, yes. 
Yes. So it was, it was pretty quick. It was pretty quick. We've been together 20 years. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, and, married, and married 16. Okay. 16. Okay. Oh my gosh. Congrats. It's such a beautiful love story. Okay. So <laughs> when you got to this rehearsal and you saw him there, that was for the out of town tryout of Wicked? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. If you don't mind, we have a couple of questions just about Wicked and the process and everything like that. What was Nessa Rose then? Like, what was the character? Was it what we know and, and have grown to see now? Yeah, so I remember reading it, and she actually flew. Oh. She was supposed to fly. Her wheelchair was supposed to fly. Oh, my gosh. And I was so psyched. <laughs> I was, yes, this is incredible and weird and magical. And and so when I got to the first rehearsal, I was like, how are, they, how are you going to do the flying? And they were like, no, we're just going to spin the chair around. And I was oh. like... Oh, like in that scene when Elsa Bubba's magic is revealed. Yeah. Okay, okay. Oh man. Oh, I thought okay. So that was my first like. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> there was a different song instead of dancing through life. It was called "Which Way Is the Party." Okay. And it was Have you heard it? I, th- I think I've heard Which this. Way is the party. <laughs> <laughs> Which way is the Wait, where's the next keg of Winky Beer? I think was one of the. Yeah. Like really, he really tapped into like the original text of the Gregory Maguire. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay, so it was still Fierro singing. Same. Still Fierro. Plot device to get them moving through. You know. Yeah. Come out on the town and did, and so Nessa sang in that. No, I did not oh. sing in that. I actually didn't sing as much and they added more for Broadway. I did have you guys seen pictures from the out of picture. Yeah, I know that Fierro had the diamonds. Right? Yes, he had like tattoos on his face. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, Nessa Rose was they had this idea that Nessa <laughs> Nessa goes crazy like Norma Desmond crazy. So in the oh. second act I had this huge wig and Susan Hilferty, who was the costume designer, was brilliant. And she was always thinking of weird things. And (laughs) she took part of my party dress. I wore like this pink party dress in the Ozdust Ballroom. She took part of that dress and like wove it through the wig. And I had this coral (laughs) like fur robe on and like super dramatic makeup mm-hmm. and I was kind of bananas like I had gone full you know evil yeah no it was an evil queen <laughs> that's kind of fun yeah like evil queen <laughs> mm-hmm. and then so we did that and that was fine but then when we got back to New York and we were starting rehearsals for Broadway I came into rehearsal one day and I had a black turtleneck on and I had a black headband and my hair was in like a low ponytail. So it was like super slick and stark. And Joe Mantello looked at me and he goes, that's what Nessa Rose should look like in the second act. He said, that's it. That's, that's what it is. He said, it it should be like Emily Dickinson, Mm -hmm. like she's repressed and tight and is trying to control everything. And so everything gets really, really severe. Yeah. And it's, when he said that, 
that it it made a lot more sense to me the whole second act scene and like what she's trying to do like the control she's trying to have because it as fun as it was to play like you know sort of a Norma Desmondy character it felt kind of musical theatery to me mm-hmm. okay that makes sense yes mm-hmm. you know what I mean for sure yes it felt like a a more realistic even though please Wicked's a huge musical right <laughs> but but to my actor mind it made more sense to me to sort of like devolve into something really strict and tight wow that is so instead interesting of, instead of wild and insane yeah you know we, the legendary story of kelly bishop's outfit in a chorus line inspiring what the character where sheila wears oh okay I don't know that story. Yes. Okay. So they were in rehearsal and they were really inspired by, because she, I, I don't know if Sheila wears, she, she's, it's pretty skimpy what she wears in a chorus line. She just wears a leotard. Just the mm-hmm. leotard. I don't know if it was during rehearsal or a costume broke or something. That was all Kelly Bishop was wearing. And they were like, yeah. that's the costume. That's what she would be wearing. And they stuck yeah. with it. And Michelle, you have a similar story for Wicked and not yeah. a lot of people know this yeah. tale. I never knew yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what was wild about it was this kind of, it was like a late breaking thing to Joe and to me. And so in San Francisco, there was a funeral scene for Dr. Dilliman. Dr. Dilliman dies and there was a funeral scene. And all of us had the most fetch like funeral dresses. (laughs) Un believable. So Kristen Chenoweth had this amazing thing that Susan built, this black dress with this high collar. And they put me in Kristen's dress, in Kristen's 411 and a half. Mm -hmm. So it was so tight. It was like up my armpits, but it had this collar Mm -hmm. and he wanted to see this collar. And so even after we opened, I wore that dress and this is disgusting, but it was so tight in my armpits that I rotted it out. <laughs> and then they finally built me a dress. Yes, thank goodness. Oh my goodness, so that wild. Is so wild. So there was a there was a lot of different scenes then and whatnot in the San Francisco one. Yeah. It was the Wicked Witch of the East always a sequence in that scene. I mean, I justice for Wicked Witch of the East. I mean, we're very sad it's not on the cast album. Yes, I know it was a spoiler. Yeah, spoiler. Yeah, for sure. Well, the cast album, I had the worst cold. And I remember Stephen Schwartz saying to me, do you want to record another day? And I was like, no, I'll do it. And I'm every time I listen to it, I'm like, should have made another choice. That, you sound beautiful. Thank you. But I, I listen to it and I go, oh, my God. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Okay. So Dr. Dilliman died. I think that his fate uh, is more sad. In, in it the, was the, yeah the it was it was um dr dilliman was a bigger part okay actually the the whole animal like animal rights however you want to put it sure. aspect was was bigger which it wasn't the novel too yeah i think they just had to make a choice to make it more about the story between glinda and alphaba yeah. you know they just kind of had to whittle away so that could become the central story for sure when did you realize like oh this is this is becoming 
I don't want to use the word phenomenon because I feel like you don't realize it's a phenomenon until it's actually happening. But like, yeah. when did you realize, oh, this is something? Very clearly, I remember. And I bet if anyone you talk to from that original company who was in San Francisco, I have a feeling all of us will have the same answer. Okay. The first preview, the curtain came up, right? There's that big witch hat. Is that still in the place? It's like a silhouette. So there was this huge cloth witch hat. This is insane that I can't remember if this is actually in the show or not. I don't think it is anymore. Okay. It's like like projected on the wall now. This was pretty amazing, actually. It was a huge cloth witch hat. Imagine, remember in like gym class when you would have parachute and you could go under it? Yeah. That's kind of what this was. So the entire ensemble was holding onto it and spinning it with their bodies, right? So they were running around and then it gets sucked into a hole in the center of the stage. So you see this hat and it's enormous, just go and disappear. And then goodness, right? Mm-hmm. It's really cool, I have to say. And so the curtain rose and they the audience saw that hat and they went so crazy that we thought something was wrong. Like I thought, I truly thought like, did someone fall off the stage? Like yeah, it, it didn't good. make sense. It, it was like not the reaction we expected at all and I think they might have it might have been a standing ovation and it was literally image one of the show and I remember everyone looking at each other like what's going on (laughs) okay well should we keep going like it was really weird and then the next day when we came to work there was a line like around the city block it was just this huge line to get into the and it never abated like it was like that every day in San Francisco it was really weird and it's totally weird whenever you're making something new because you're just in a room alone you know Mm -hmm. you're just you don't know you're like in a vacuum so yeah how surreal yeah I guess I didn't realize the power of the Wizard of Oz even though I of course the Wizard of Oz is powerful and iconic but I, I I don't know I guess I just didn't I didn't really I didn't expect that at all and then when she flies when Alphaba flies at the end of act one which is still really thrilling don't you think oh my god every oh time my every god. time I get chills every <laughs> single time it's so good mm-hmm. but like oh so it was kind of like that you know how her cape like there's some sort of cape thing on the back of that apparatus and it's sort of mm-hmm. huge it was pretty, there were some pretty amazing images, I think, in that show. And also when she comes up for Ella Kanamanamana. Mm-hmm. Me and yeah. I, was, I was like, so have you been back to see it at all? Because I know you went back into the show. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember how long I was in it in the first place. I think it was like two years maybe three it was my first broadway show i was like i need some stability i want some money Mm -hmm. i want a new mattress (laughs) and you're in a hit you know yeah and like i just really needed that and and then i left 
to do three days of rain. Mm-hmm. And then I did a few other things. And I think David Stone came to see Boy's Life. I was in Boy's Life at second stage. And he asked me to come back. And I think I was only supposed to come back for like three months or something. And I I think I was there for six, okay. maybe. Anyway, I saw it the 10-year anniversary. Okay. I saw that. And then I got to take Georgia when it reopened after the pandemic. I got to go to that opening night. Oh, amazing. Oh, that's so special. I cried the whole time. And she knows. She she knows this, the, the whole behind the scenes, She was right? so into it. And some of the original cast members were there with their daughters. And it was like, it was, you know, it was really sweet. Oh, wow. And like Queen Salenta was there. And it was great because Joe directed it again. Joe and Wayne came back. So when it reopened after the pandemic, that cast went through an entire rehearsal process with the original creators and something I could tell that there was there was something a little more they were like a little more invested and a little more specific and a little more like they they got fed yeah and so, god they were so good Jenna Claire was she's mm-hmm. she was fabulous wasn't she <laughs> so good she was like born for it <laughs> yeah she was so good they yeah. were all so good for sure. Wild. Like I was watching it and all I could see were the, like the original and so it's so funny because they all have the same costume and they cast the same body type and hair. It's, it's wild. Wow. So it's kind of like a mind bend to see it. Yeah. But it was really, it was special. It's, it means so much still too. I mean, it changed your life, you know? Totally changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like I got a husband and a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I got kids. Right. Wow. So, I mean, I know that like we, we've talked a little bit about how you're from Ohio and we have some, some connections there. What was it that actually got you into the arts? We call it the ring of keys. It's like this, have you seen fun home? I don't know if you're familiar with that. There's this moment. You know what? I haven't, but I know that song. Yeah. Yeah. Where she has like a realization where she identifies with something and we've kind of changed it to when you identified with loving the arts. Do you feel like you had a moment of maybe something you saw or a person or a movie or Anything that was your ring of keys moment? My parents put me in a after school drama class when I was seven. And we did like an improv (laughs) (laughs) about finding, it must have been like, she must have just seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something, but finding money in a, in a sewer. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember like, I imagine, like, I really saw it. Like I really saw the money in it's like in some other world. And I liked being in another world. And then so I did, I don't know if you guys, do you guys ever hear of Heights Youth Theater? Was it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. we used to go see shows from them all the time. So I did Heights Youth Theater. And I think it was just like a social thing, really. And then when I was like 16, I went to Stage Door Manor. Oh, yes. And I was talking to Norbert about it. And about Stage Door, the musical director I worked with there had had passed away. And I was trying to explain to him like what this guy taught me and what he meant. And Norb summed it up. He goes, oh, he he taught you how to be excellent. He taught you excellence, like what that takes, you know? And I'm not saying I'm excellent, but when it 
teacher expects that of you or a director or a musical director or something, there is something that happens to you and you're, you're, you either try to rise to it or, or you don't. <laughs> and so wow. I really was like, I, I think, I think I have to do this. And my parents came to see, I was in Man of La Mancha with Danny Gerwin. Do you guys know who that actor is? Yeah. Yes. Wait, is he at stage door? You mean? Or? Yes. He was at stage door with me and then he did Little Women on Broadway. He was. I think Dana Steingold used to really look up to him or grew up with him. Yes. Okay. She talked about him on our episode with her, but yeah. yes. And so Danny and I were Aldonza and Quixote. Oh yeah, right. But anyway, my parents and Danny was incredible. And we had this director who was just like really special and talked to kids like they were like they were professionals and knew what they were doing and just like really challenged us and to use everything we had. My parents saw that and my dad had also seen Dead Poet Society and it came out that summer and he he just sat me down and he was like, I, I think yeah, I'll support you if you want to do this. Wait, I love that. Yeah, I, I love that. Just, too. Like, saw something. <laughs> also, here's the thing. Parents will ask like, my kid wants to go into theater. Like, how do you know? And Norb and I always say this, like, it's only if other people are saying like your parents can be like, Oh no, my kid's great. But it's only as if a teacher is saying it or like, uh -huh. do you know what I mean? Like you have to have the yes. encouragement from like outside people who have no, no skin in the game, really. They're just, uh -huh. that's such a good point. <laughs> yeah. So he was hearing that and I was sort of hearing that, you know, and it was like, I'm going to do it. That is a really cool sort of perfect storm of different things that like your dad yeah. was able to have experience and then talk to you about it all. I, I really think that's special. Yeah, I also remember we went to see as a camp, we went to see Dead Poets Society because Josh Charles had gone to our camp and he was okay. And so yeah. like a, I don't know, it just made it seem possible that I was seeing mm -hmm. like someone who had gone to my camp and Oh no, I just felt like it might happen. And then here we are. That's that's really cool. You're so eloquent, Michelle. The way you're able to tell these stories, I feel like you you're taking us to these places when you're telling them. So it's great storyteller. Yes. You know, that's so nice. <laughs> you guys are great listeners. Oh my Aww. goodness. Thank you. Well, listen, we are wrapping up, but before we say goodbye, we gotta end with a dose of drama. This is that pop culture recommendation you wanna leave the listeners with. Could right. be something or it could just be something you're thinking about, something you wanna promote, rant about, rave about, share. Well, I know that by the time this comes out, oh no, it's coming out this week. It's so on Wednesday. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. And Writer Shark is over. So I think I can and I'm not a member of WGA, but I can promote this. <laughs> Only Murders in the Building, season three. I think it is so funny and I am obsessed. That show is just so good. I wanted to keep running. I, I need there to be more murders in that building for years to come. <laughs> but oh my God, my dose of drama is kind of weird today, but I cannot get that patter song out of my head that Steve Martin sings on the show. Which of the Pickwick triplets did it? It is. Have you seen stuck. it, Michelle? Have no, like, but oh. say that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like which of the Pickwick triplets did it? And it's a pivotal part of the storyline. It is. It is. And oh my God, Dylan, do I not call you on the phone? I'm like, <sighs> I sing it to you. He'll text, I send you audio text me. He'll go, I have one question for you today, Dylan. Which of the Pickwick triplets did? <laughs> I am obsessed. Like, oh so everyone needs to go watch Murders in the Building and <laughs> only, only Murders in the Building and find yes. out which of them did it. Also, <laughs> okay. apparently Schmackery's Cookies plays a 
key role in this it season, does. Michelle, which is kind of chic. And they're, a cookie specifically plays a big part in the show. And Schmackeries is selling it this week. So. Yes. Okay. Schmackeries, or however you say it, Schmackeries. I was like, Schmackeries. Yeah. Selling a cottage cookie this week as well. Oh, love it. Wait, I love that. I'm sad. What I wish it, I would have gotten it. Do you know what that's going to taste like? It tastes like a sugar cookie with lavender. Oh, yum. Yeah. And Earl Grey tea, I think. I was going to say, probably something Earl Grey because of the British connection. To There's it. lots of whiskey in the cottage, too. And lots of cigarettes. Wait, can you can you tell me what is what is actually in the alcohol? Iced tea. Okay, Iced cool. Tea. Okay. okay. I'm going to have to go to the and bathroom. And they're those menthol cigarettes, right? Yeah, not menthol, herbal. Herbal. Yeah. See, I cannot light a real match. So that would stress me out to have to do that. Yes, it would. That's tough. <laughs> you know what it is? I think it's because I get... The fire gets on my finger. It, I was burnt as a child or something, and now I'm just always so scared yeah. of it. The good thing about these matches are they're about this big. So you're no, oh, and wow. they're strong. They're like thick wood. So you, you're you not anywhere near it. I agree with you from a matchbook. Oh, yeah, that, that's tough. Right? It's tough. <laughs> my God. It's harder than covering three rolls in the Thank God. Smoking is like de rigueur. Nobody smokes uh-huh. anymore. Thank God. I know. Thank God. I had to laugh in the cottage though. I'm like, you're watching Marjorie pregnant, smoking, yes. drinking. It's so of the era, you know, like 1920s. <laughs> I know. So good. But Dylan, okay. do you, are you ready? I had time to think. Okay. My dose of drama. So I've been here in New York with Connor for the weekend and got to see some shows and stuff. And my dose of drama is I had such a good time at the Broadway flea market yesterday, but I was not able to secure as much merchandise from show, you know, Mr. Theater Queen that I. I, I was only able to get a one thing from my favorite musical of all time, Catch Me If You Can, which Michelle, I'm sure you've, now that I'm, I'm of course, you know, Norbert. And the only thing I was able to get was a poster from the out of town tryout in Seattle. So if any listeners out there have any merch that they would like to sell me, I will happily take it off your That's hands. a really so. good thing to get. I know. It was a rare find. Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, yeah. do you have a dose of drama? Well, I just have some things I like. Yeah. Love. Yes. Yes. That's drama. <laughs> that is drama. Oh, yeah. Besides this podcast, there's a podcast oh. called Kelly Corrigan Wonders, and I just started listening to it. And this woman is so curious about everything, and she talks to people who are super curious about things, and I just am fascinated every time Every time I listen. She talks to people who've gone through like really, really hard things, how they've gotten through it, but it never feels heavy it feels kind of hopeful and honest and she's kind of irreverent about it which i love oh yeah yeah Yeah. for sure so that was that's pretty great and then there's a book have you read hamnet no but i've seen people reading it read this book okay historical fiction and it's told from the perspective of Anne Hathaway, Shakespeare's wife. Yes. During the play. So Shakespeare actually had a son named Hamnet. Oh, okay. Which Hamlet, he wrote Hamlet after his son died of the plague. Okay. This I never is knew true. That. Yes. So this is told, that period of time, this is told from his wife's perspective. Wow. It is incredible. 
like absolutely incredible. And I would highly suggest reading it before it becomes a movie because I guarantee you that will be a movie. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. Phenomenal. I'm going to have to order it. Maggie O'Farrell. That's who wrote it. I love that it's a female author as well. Yeah. So. I think she's Irish. Oh, well, we love that too. Um, and then here's my just like dose for any actors, especially young actors. I think people should go back to people watching hmm. instead of like watching on a screen, watching performances and stuff, like look up and look at real people. Cause that's what we're in the business of doing, right? Mm. Is playing, playing real people. So people watching. That's my rant. I love that. I want more No, I first I agree with you because I feel like now I watch young actors, especially acting in TV shows, films, and they're acting like they think an actor acts like. They're not acting like like it these characters don't feel real in any sort of way. Not that they need to be like super real, but it, it's a pet peeve of mine when I'm like, wait a minute, you're acting so beyond what a real a real person would even be like. It's crazy. You know what, though? Don't you think it's hard as hell to grow up with social media oh. and being honest? Like, look at us mm -hmm. right now. We're we can look at ourselves yeah. while we're that does something to oh, you. Yeah. I think that does something to you. So I know exactly what you're talking about, but I don't know unless you put it all down and you somehow fight the temptation to like experiment and then post it, experiment and then post it, then there's no, you're constantly editing. Mm. How are you free? Yeah. I feel terrible. It's a conundrum. Yeah. It really is. How can you be free if you constantly know what you look like and what other color look like yeah. in a contrived way. Like there's, there's no, there's no way to not be contrived if you're watching yourself doing something, right? Yeah. If you're an actor, how do you even know? How do you know what spontaneity is? Right. That's the only thing that's exciting to watch, right? Mm -hmm. Is something surprising and spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're very insightful, Michelle. I'm sure you know too because you're growing up with I'm an old lady. You have a kid too who's growing <laughs> so. up and all that. You know, you said seventh grade. I mean, that's like the, that was yeah. the roughest year. I mean, I remember was it, rough oh, for you yeah. guys? it was just like everything was I was hyper aware all of a sudden of the way I talked and the way that people viewed yes. me. And like I was coming into we were both coming into our identities without of course we didn't talk about it, but you know. <laughs> you um how old are you guys? Can I ask? Yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Th we we just turned, turned thirty. 30. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So did you have social media? No. Well, you didn't need it. MySpace was big, but we were okay. old enough. And and also you had to go home to your computer to look at it. And you you weren't on it all day long. You know, right. so it was it a little different. A little different. Yeah. I think Instagram came out when we were seniors in high, high school. school. Yeah. So it was just different, you know. Too, it was, yeah. but it was different. You would just post pictures of your lunch or something. You know, it wasn't like <laughs> Yeah. It wasn't like yeah, yeah, selfies yeah. and things like that. So But you guys performed, right? Like Back you, in the day. you did plays and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so did you have the freedom in your mind to like go into your bedroom or or the bathroom, whatever door locked, and like do stuff in the mirror by yourself without like were you weird by yourself? Oh, yeah. Yes. Were you able to do that? Yes. yes. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like that's what I'm saying. Georgia does weird stuff, but she records herself. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, never. No. Never, ever. I, I feel would... like our generation always grew up being like, oh, I, I hate the sound of my own voice on my voicemail. Now we're recording ourselves all the time. Everyone's used to what they sound, sound like, like and yeah. look like. And, you know, it's crazy. It's so different. Yeah. But I, I know what you mean when I when I watch young actors. I almost feel like I see them. Well, we all imitate sure. what we love. Right. We're all inspired by everything yeah. and, and see like those influences. But it's almost like down to movements and like there's like a musical theater style that I see. Mm-hmm. And it's I see the same thing over and over again. And I'm like, oh, right. Because they're watching. They all have access to the same video clips or whatever. Right. Yes. So. But I like what you said about people watching. That could be the key to starting. Even what you were saying about listening, like walking without headphones. And I think it all could sort of bring us back to a, a square where we can maybe rebuild without all of those reflections of ourselves all the time. Yeah. And also like listening to other people's thoughts all the time. Yeah. Like I love walking around listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh, wait, these are other people's. I know. Yeah. It's kind of intimate. Right. Yes. And, and it is mm-hmm. intimate and it starts to feel like your own thought. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that is so real. So real. I wonder if people think that when they listen to drama. Anyways, I don't know. <laughs> I bet. I bet they do. Mm-hmm. You guys are like, yeah. I like being able to see you and talk. Is uh, you have like a real curiosity and sincerity? Uh, but thank, thank you, you Michelle. That's so nice. This has been so lovely. I so fun was beyond my wildest dreams. You're such a nice and sweet person. So thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, thank you. And are you on social media? Do you want anyone to follow you anywhere? Or... No, they've got to, they got to go to the cottage and hope that. I know. I know. Yeah. It's bad. It's bad. But I also, I'm like, well, fuck it. I'm old. And I don't care. So um, <laughs> I no. but you could go to 54 below mm-hmm. and look up Norbert shows. Yes. Cottage runs until October 29th. And then I'll go back to momming and I do I do stuff out here that won't be acting. I'll do other things. But you never know. You never know. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. And yeah. we'll definitely definitely maybe see you on TV again. Maybe not just as a crying mom though. We'll see. You know what Norbert called me once? A mom genou. Because I used to be a mom genou. And he called me that's cute. That might be, need to be the name of the title of this episode. That is, that, that is over. Right? Mom's you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, hilarious. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. Yes. Everyone who's listening, if you don't follow us yet, make sure to follow us at The Drama Podcast. I'm at Connor McDowell. Dylan's at Dylan McDowell. For the Wicked fans just joining us for the first time, all month long, we're going to be bringing you special Wicked 20 conversations, but also dig into our past episodes. We have chats with so many of your favorite Wicked alums. So this was great. Thank yes. you again. Yeah. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, and thank you to Wicked fans. That's wonderful. We would oh, yeah. uh, still wouldn't be around if, if it weren't for the Wicked fans. So Yes, thanks, that's wild. Guys. Thank you, Michelle and Connor. I will see you next time. Drama! Drama.